This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Alex Kennedy Podcast, which is brought to you by BasketballNews.com. This is episode number 35, and today I'm excited to be joined by one of my Basketball News colleagues. He's a fantastic writer, he's the host of the Dunker Spot Podcast, and he does an incredible job covering the NBA and breaking down the X's and O's of the game. His name is Nikias Duncan. You can follow him on Twitter at NBA. Nikias, thanks for joining me. How are you? I am doing pretty well, good sir. How are you? I'm doing very well. I appreciate you doing this. I'm so excited to kind of talk about your career path because you and I have known each other for a while now. And last year we spoke to students at the sports business classroom in Las Vegas. And it was so interesting kind of hearing about your journey and uh, just kind of how far you've come. For people that don't know, you got your start posting on Facebook, basically like message boards, just kind of writing posts on your phone. And that's kind of how you got your start as a writer. Can you kind of take me back to those days and how you fell in love with just this whole process and and realized you wanted to become a sports writer? Oh, geez. Well, one, I just loved basketball. So I played some when I was younger, um, talked about it with um, a few of my friends when I was growing up, um, going to their houses, playing basketball. So I was starting to get more into the actual NBA at that point. Uh, This is, I guess, like middle school era me at this point. And so me living in a small area, only having a handful of friends at this point, um, I found, I guess, some sense of community on NBA Facebook, which you zoom out now, like the the boards and the groups and the pages, like it's all just toxic nonsense. <laughs> but back then, I'm just a young kid, like, hey, there are thousands of people that like basketball like me. I get to talk yeah. to them. And so that's kind of where it started. I was just a fan of an NBA page called NBA Talk, which is still up to this day. But I started commenting, you know, joining discussions in that regard. Like at that point, it was a lot of like free agency posts, free agency rumors, trade rumors. Um, During the regular season, they're posting like scores and then just talking about the game and stuff like that. And that's just kind of where I started just doing that, commenting on those pages all the time, just spending hours at the time on Facebook, debating with people and sharing my opinions on stuff. And so I... I guess sort of gained a bit of a follow, or at least people started to know who I was because one, I was just a frequent commenter, but two, I wasn't really doing the nonsense. Like if they were talking about a game, I was actually not to the level I'm doing it now, obviously, but I was going with a little bit more depth. I was throwing some stats in there. Like I was actually trying to analyze what was happening versus legacy talk. Like there was plenty of that still, but but I kind of stood out in that regard. And so I love the page. I love the community around the page. And I wanted to be an admin on the page, which just felt like the biggest job, the best job ever at that point. 
And so I was trying to, I was asking around, like, hey, what did I do to become an admin? And of course, I'm not the only person asking, but I'm trying to find my angle there. And I eventually find my lane with trying to help with the transaction stuff, which is ironic now. because It I, is. Yeah. But, <laughs> but that was kind of my end. And so at that point in time, like Twitter wasn't nearly as big as it was today. And most of the people were getting their news from ESPN. And at this point, it was Mark Stein, it was Brian Windhorst, a couple other people, but those were the two main ones. And so nobody really knew, at least on the NBA page, like landscape, nobody really knew who Woj was at that time. And Woj was at Yahoo. And so I was fresh on Twitter and I just noticed like, hey, this Woj guy is getting NBA news like 30, 45 minutes, sometimes an hour before Mark Stein tweets about it. And so I'm just feeding the page admins at that time. Hey, this guy signing here. Hey, this trade might be going down. Hey, this is happening. And so early on, it was, okay, we'll keep an eye on it, but we're going to wait until sport until we see it on Sports Center too. Yeah. And so you get enough of those in a row where it's like, oh, wait, that Woj guy is legit. And also this Nakaya's guy who's giving me this info is legit. He He's on top of it. Page. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so that's how I ended up becoming an admin on the page. And from there, I had more of a platform. I would post some of the news that was coming from Stein or Wolves or whatever, but it's players signing here. And then it's a little blurb of what I think about the move or a question I might have about the move. Um, writing game recaps and not just posting the stats is, oh, well, this guy did such and such in the third quarter, or he was doing this that the defense couldn't really do anything with. And so I really gained a legit following from there. And so as I did more on Twitter and stuff, a lot of people that were on Facebook were hopping on the Twitter as well. And they were following me like, oh, okay, I know this guy. Cool. And so that's kind of where my initial audience came from, just building that out on Facebook and also just in various NBA groups that I was in, mostly because I was doing so much on that Facebook page. And so that's, that's kind of awesome. where the journey started. Yeah. Thanks to NBA Top Shot for sponsoring this episode. NBA Top Shot is the officially licensed NFT of the NBA, where you can buy, sell, and trade your favorite moments from NBA history as digital collectibles. I'm sure some of you have heard of Top Shot and are wondering, why would I buy a highlight when I can watch it for free? It's not about buying a highlight. It's about owning an officially licensed collectible from NBA history in the same way that owning a trading card isn't about owning a piece of cardboard. You can own iconic moments from NBA superstars throughout time, including Kevin Durant, Ja Morant, and even legendary players like Magic Johnson. NBA Top Shot and Magic have partnered together to release six of his all-time greatest plays as moments, and they'll be releasing those packs for sale on June 7th. If that's not enough, if you purchase your starter pack today, Top Shot will give you $20 back to start your collection and allow you to buy your favorite moments in the marketplace. And make sure to join the Magic Johnson pack drop on June 7th for your chance at owning a piece of NBA history. Go to about.nbatopshot.com slash bballnews and get in the game today. That's about.nbatopshot.com slash bballnews. I relate to this so much because whenever I was, you know, 13, 14 years old, I was on message boards, different forums. Like there was one called Just B-Ball. Now it's no longer around. Uh, there was one called like On The Real. There's like random names. But basically <laughs> I was on there for like hours every single day just posting about players, transactions, uh, the draft, like to the point that my parents were actually like concerned and they're like, you need to go outside. Like they used to have a timer that they would set because they were like, okay, you spent way too many hours sitting here just talking about basketball. So that's, <laughs> I was kind of doing the same thing, like just with different message boards and things. And then kind of similar to your path, they had like a writing group, a writing team uh, as part as that website, just be ball, you know, part of that team. 
uh, or part of that site. So basically the writing team would write articles for the main page of the of the forum. So they were like, hey, we like your posts. And I'm 13 years old at the time. So mm-hmm. I start, you know, writing. And uh, it, again, like you, it's like, oh my God, this is my dream job. I can't believe I'm getting to write on the main page. This is insane. Mm-hmm. And then from there, I started writing for a couple other places too, like Real GM. And then really like the, the big thing that kind of changed everything for me was I saw one of the other Real GM writers cover a game and got credentialed. And I was like, wait a second, I write for Real GM too. That guy's credentialed. Like maybe I could go cover a game. (laughs) And uh, he went and interviewed Speedy Claxton one-on-one. I remember that was like the big article I read. And I'm like, wow, he got to interview an NBA player one-on-one. So Mm -hmm. reached out to the Magic, got to go cover games. Uh, I had to bring my dad a chaperone. Uh, I was 14 years old. So that I kind of relate to this so much because like, just like you kind of started on Facebook, I was starting on the message boards. And then I saw the same thing where once I actually started writing articles and um, you know, getting published at different places, a lot of those people from the message boards were like, oh, this is awesome. Like, and showing support because they knew me before all that kind of stuff started happening. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm curious then, I, I know like people have talked about this and I think you t- spoke about this last year at the Sports Business Classroom, but you were early on just like writing articles on your phone, right? I mean, w- yes. walk me through that stage of your career. Oh, geez, it's just, uh, I wish I had like a super elaborate story for you. Honestly, I just, uh, I just didn't have a lot of money growing up. Like it was, I was, I guess right below middle class, but not like poor, <laughs> I guess is the best way to describe it. Like I had all my needs net and if I did well at school, I could get some stuff that I wanted. And so at that point, like I didn't have my own laptop. Like I had my phone, which was enough. And I had gaming system and stuff. Like I didn't really care to get into I didn't view it that way yeah like I was using Facebook for fun and basketball talk was fun for me it wasn't until I it wasn't really a career started, yeah like it wasn't until I started um actually getting reached out to the right for sites and stuff where I was like hmm I can actually like do something with this versus mm-hmm. having fun with it and at that point again I didn't have my own laptop so I was you know I was doing the Facebook thing on my phone and so I would write my articles on my phone if you had like the I guess what WordPress is now I can't remember what the older ones were called but like I would be able to pull that up on my phone and I would just write in there or I would pull up Facebook, like a regular status or whatever, write everything I wanted to write. Copy and paste. Copy it. and paste into the, yeah. Mm. Into the How old are you at this time? Um, at this time, oh man, so this is middle school heading into high school. So I'm like 15, 16, somewhere in there. Mm, that's awesome, man. I love that you got your start so young too. I, I, I think, uh, we're so lucky that we both kind of knew what we wanted to do at a young age. Like people are always like, Oh, you know, you're so lucky to be able to start doing this at a young age. And I was just fortunate that, you know, I fell in love with basketball and then realized that there was this, you know, career path that uh, I was able to kind of do because uh, how many people actually know kind of what path they want to go down at that young age. Like that's really the advantage we have, I think. Yeah. It's, it's cool that I was able to kind of find that because it, and it just kind of, again, it kind of came together for me a little bit. I don't want to say late because I was still in school at that point, but it kind of came together late because on one side, I just loved basketball and on like the more scholastic side, I just loved writing. And so that was always a thing, writing and reading, like that's always a thing that came naturally to me. I was, my mom's told me, people I went to school told me like I was reading at like three. And so like I've always had that. And so it just really hit as I was getting more serious on Facebook and then starting to get some people reaching out where it's like, oh, wait, I could just marry the two together and like try to make this a thing. And so that's when I ended up uh, initially going to Winthrop for a journalism degree, did not finish, 
I, I just did not uh, manage my time well, which was weird because like you hear a young college student doesn't manage time well and doesn't finish. It's like they're partying, yada, yada, yada. <laughs> like my whole thing was like I had work to do, but instead I'm like trying to find uh, redacted links of NBA games to stream because I didn't have <laughs> league pass. Like that was how I was quote unquote wasting my time. But like even with that, I was using that towards trying to yeah, build a career. That's a productive waste of time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So of course that was going to be my way of like messing up a <laughs> college career but it ended up being beneficial because one i'm on a college campus i have access to computers which is the big thing for me so now i can try to stream games but also if i have to write an article that just cuts my work time in half <laughs> off rip because right. i'm actually using a computer or a laptop to get it done versus having to do it on my phone so like the time itself was beneficial for me and some of the courses that i took helped would help shape some of our writing styles so like that that was a big help overall one thing that you talked about that I thought was really interesting uh, in the past was you said that really 2K is how you learned a lot about basketball. And, you know, I thought that was really interesting because I, I think a lot of people, you know, I, a lot of people like my age or uh, older people, you know, start watching basketball at a young age or play basketball. And then they kind of start playing 2K after that. You know, 2K was kind of a way for you to learn about basketball and it kind of expand your knowledge and, and fall in love with it even more. Right. Yeah, like again, like I did, I didn't have League Pass growing up. So if it wasn't on ESPN or ABC or something, like I couldn't watch as much. And so video games for me was one or just a way for me to connect with basketball, period. And I love video games. I also love basketball. So put the two together. There you go. But <laughs> as I started getting deeper into it, it's like, okay, the teams I can't watch at the very least, like now I have a reference point. If I see this guy's a 75 overall and he has like an 85 three ball, if I see him play the heat on TV or something like that, and I was like, oh, okay, that guy can shoot. And then I can try to build out what the rest of my opinion is from there. And so I say all the time, like, I feel like people underestimate just how big of a role video games play in like sports fandom and just general knowledge. Like, obviously I grew up and now I'm, I've written articles about how off some of the ratings are for players, but like I had to start somewhere. Yeah. And so now that I'm actually able to watch and read more and all this good stuff and do it for myself, now I can counterbalance. Okay, this guy's an 86 on the game, but really should be like an 81 because he isn't as good at this, 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 and this or whatever. But I wouldn't have had that initial knowledge break. I wouldn't have known where to start with player X because I hadn't been able to watch, at least younger. And so that that's it's very important. And as far as me, I guess just getting deeper into it from like a team building aspect, like the franchise modes have always been fun for me. I've always loved having that kind of control to build out my team, build out my Same. vision, things like that. And so video games were a way for me to do that. And that, again, kind of served as like a base for, you know, fast forward to now where I'm doing these trade destination pieces. Now I have the intrinsic, okay, this guy can do this, but where does he fit in the system? What does the rest of the roster look like? Can he complement what this guy does, et cetera, et cetera. And again, that contribute um i'm attribute a lot of that base from like my love for video games early on yeah that makes a lot of sense uh one of the things that stand out to me about just your career is just the support that you have from your followers um whenever you join basketballnews.com uh, i had just left hoops hype and i hadn't announced yet kind of where i was going it was things were kind of happening behind the scenes we were starting to you know talk about launching basketball news it was going to be a few months until we kind of had the platform out so i hadn't announced things but hoops i put out a post saying that they were hiring my replacement and kind of looking for someone to, to fill that role and mm -hmm. i was helping them kind of find the next person and they wanted me to train them and, and all that so i remember uh they were like blown away because they got like 200 300 tweets from people saying hire Nikaias. 
And they were like, oh my God, this is crazy. Like, this is insane. Uh, and I remember you and I talked on the phone and you were like, hey, like we talked a little bit about the hoop safe job and kind of what it would entail. And they really wanted, you know, a lot of like source stuff and off the record stuff and uh, reporting, things like that. Um, and then you and I were, were talking and I was like, why don't you just come work for basketballnews.com? Like, you know, if we're, we're already having this conversation, uh, I, I like your stuff a lot. Um, and I have to give credit to uh, Frank Urbina too. He is one of the writers at Hoopsype and um, he was always sharing your stuff in our Slack and he was a really big fan of yours and, you know, shouting, shouting you out. And we had already met at Summer League a few years before, maybe two mm-hmm. years before. So yeah. we had known each other and I had been reading your stuff. And then, um, yeah, I was just blown away by that support, like seeing literally hundreds of suites, people saying hire Nikias, you know, what was it like seeing that? And I'm sure it wasn't just that job. That's the one that I saw, but it seems like there was always this huge outpouring of support whenever any kind of opening was, was out there. People really wanted to see you succeed. And I think it's because they, they have watched your journey from the, the beginning and they feel mm-hmm. like they know you. Yeah. Like I think that's a big one. Well, before I even get into that, that's a good shout for Frank. Frank's a good dude. He's awesome. Yeah. I feel like we we haven't like met met, but like we've interacted with each other just because early on in the actual writing side, like I was primarily a Miami Heat person, and he was as well. Yeah. So there was just some overlap there, but no, nah, that that's a good dude right there. As far as the support goes, it's honestly a bit overwhelming sometimes, and like I don't mean that in a negative sense, but it's just like wow, people really rock with me, and it's insane. Like even now, I've I've had some incredible opportunities pop up over the last month or so. Like I've been on the episode of the low post which still shocks me i just recorded a pod with david aldridge and marcus thompson earlier this week and it's wild like no matter what i do it's if something like that or if i'm posting a picture of me at an arena because i'm covering a game or something i'll always get a few either replies to the tweet or dms on instagram or dms on twitter where it's like hey i remember you from nba talk it's so great to see mm. how you've grown from such and just like it's amazing that people remember who I am, have like legit followed the journey or and are like legitimately happy for me on the journey. It makes me feel good. Um, I give myself a little bit of credit. One, just I've worked very hard to get where I'm at, but also just not even really having sense, but still having enough sense to kind of brand myself. Like the big thing that I did on Facebook that kind of made me stand out alongside beyond what I was actually doing it was like I hashtagged everything. I was hashtag Nikaias on <laughs> the Facebook pages. And people like some people were like, okay, this is creative. Other people were like, this is annoying. This isn't Twitter, ironically enough. <laughs> and so it, it was just a way for me to know, like, okay, this is me. And I I saw it as I like got bigger on the Facebook page. I'd become an admin. I saw other people like hashtagging their names to sign their posts. I'm just like, huh. Mm. Like that's interesting to me. But I was the smart. Support, yeah, it's and again, I didn't even know what I was doing. I just did it because it looked cool. Like I didn't have the, <laughs> the foresight to be like, hmm, this could actually be a way for people to connect with you easier and didn't think about what that would mean for me like further down the line. It was just, okay, this is cool. I like the hashtag. It's different. Let's just do it. But the support has been awesome, man. I And it's funny, like I've been ratioed multiple times at this point because like I've had my low moments coming up in the business like I don't know if I can even do this like I don't even know if I'll actually be able to build a career out of it like I remember back in I want to say 2016 2017 somewhere in that range there was like the big exodus among like 
um, NBA writers. Yeah. Um, CBS got hit pretty hard. Some other places got hit pretty hard. This is around the time everyone's trying to do the transition to video, Jesus Christ. But <laughs> <laughs> but I remember that happening. And at this point, I was still like freelancing in different places. And I hadn't even gotten like big breaks with freelance. I would go on to freelance for like Bleach Report and Dime stuff, but I wasn't even there yet. But I'm looking at these talented writers that I've grown up on reading and stuff, and they're being displaced and looking for their next stops. So I was like, man, if the people I'm looking up to and have been establishing this business for a while are like mm-hmm. losing their jobs because the corporation trying to downsize or pivot or whatever. What am I doing? Like, I'm just a 19 year old, 20 year old, 21 year old, whatever, whatever, trying to build myself up. If they can't do it, I don't know. I'm not gonna be able to do it. And people back then were like, no, we've seen your work. We see the work that you're putting in. Like, I, we believe in you. We think you're going to be good. You just need a break. You're going to be fine. Like, calm down. And that tweet has been brought up at least three separate times <laughs> over <laughs> the last year and a half. Like, when I got the basketball news job, that tweet was brought back up. When I hopped on the low post, that tweet was brought up. Yeah. Heavy. Like, it, it was just, <laughs> and it's funny to look back at now. But I'm just like, no, I was really in it. Like, I've, like, just on a personal note, like, I've always kind of had confidence issues with how good I am at certain things, stuff like that. And so once you add in what the actual business and what the actual market looks like, it's like, yo, what is happening? And so I, I am very, very humbled to be in the position that I am. And I also feel like that's why people rock with me too, because I think they recognize, even if it turns out to be unfounded, they kind of know, like, I'm not doing the fake humble act. I'm not saying I'm not good because I just want you to compliment me. Like I've had (laughs) these struggles. (laughs) And I think people can also relate to the fact that, hey, this guy has struggles and he's been open about it. Like, that's cool. You don't typically see that. And so like, I'm glad that I'm still able to be myself and I've been myself throughout this entire process. And here I am somehow. (laughs) That's what I was going to say next about you sharing it, because I feel like in sports journalism, especially it's such a, you know, there's so, there's not really a ton of stability. You know, you never really have a lot of job security. It's a, it's a wild industry. And, and I think not only are you constantly worried about being laid off and, and just your, you know, your, your job security, but also I think there's a lot of like imposter syndrome too. Like you're reading other people do these amazing articles and this amazing mm-hmm. podcast and you start doubting yourself and wondering, you know, what am I going to add to this conversation when all these amazing writers are already out there? And then to your point, some that are, you know, you may feel, Hey, this person's way better than me and they're laid off right now. Like, how am I going to possibly make it? I've yeah. definitely felt like that. Uh, I think the difference is I, I tend to, you know, be really like, I don't know. I have a hard time, I think, being like vulnerable on social media and like not really knowing how much to share or things like that. And I do think like I used to be more I, I used to put more on social media. Now, I I mean, I, if you look at my Twitter feed, I basically just like retweet stuff and share links. And like I'm really not as active as I used to be. I've kind of mm-hmm. changed changed up my approach a bit. Uh, some of that's just, you know, not even by choice, just more like a time thing. But um I think that's one of the reasons, too, that your your followers uh, have connected with you so much because you really do kind of share everything, uh, you know, everything you're going through, the ups, the downs, like how do you kind of uh, gauge like what to share and what not to share? Um, I've had to walk a little bit of a finer line now, but like in general, and I've even tweeted this out and I've had the quote tweeted as well, like Nikai's NBA is where you can find me on Twitter, but this is my personal, like this isn't a basketball account. Right. This is my personal account and I love basketball. So I just talk about it a bunch. And like I share my work on my personal account, but like ultimately this is my personal account. And so you will see me do a film thread on a game. You will see me quote tweet some local mess and like what the heck is going on. I will quote tweet the latest politics. 
I will break down the like boys. I, yeah, I will do a the boy thread. Like I have a Game of Thrones thread that I did in I think nine days, which is still the most insane thing that I've ever. <laughs> I remember done. that. But, but like it's this is my Twitter account, and so I never feel like like I'll decide. Okay, maybe I don't need to tweet this out just because it's too personal, or like if it's something I'm dealing with with someone else or a group of people, if they don't want their stuff out there, then I have to kind of factor that in because sure. of my profile and stuff like that. But ultimately it's just like, I tweet what I feel. And like one of the funnier things it can be annoying, but ultimately it's just a funny thing where I'll just tweet something where it's just like something in real life has annoyed me. And I'll just tweet, I'm annoyed or something like that. <laughs> yeah, and then yeah. I'll have three or four people under my tweet. Like here's Nikai's with another vague tweet. And it's just like, <laughs> I feel you also, you're not entitled to my thoughts. Like I don't yeah. have to share literally everything. Like I share what I want to share. Because again, this is a personal account that I just talk a heck of a lot of basketball on because that's me. So just don't confuse the two. Like I share what I want whenever I want to. Like that's just kind of how it works. So I don't find it to be that difficult of a balance overall. Like I'm still just being me. Like when I made the Twitter account, this is what it was. It was a mix of basketball. It was peaks of tweets. It was SpongeBob tweets. It was me being annoyed with girl problems or home problems or school problems or church stuff or whatever it is. And like now it's the same thing. I just have 61,000 followers now. (laughs) So it's more people to interact with sometimes. But again, like I think overall people appreciate that because it's putting on some kind of act. Like I'll let some slander fly sometimes if I feel like it's funny. I'll let a funny tweet fly. I'll get a little off the cuff sometimes. I have to reel that in sometimes too. Just because I'll, I'll make like an off-color joke or something. It's like, this is Nakaya's? What on earth? And it's like, yeah, I'm still like, I'm a grown man now. So no, I'm not the same person you followed when I was like 19. So yeah. that kind of thing pops in. With but the messed finish, up font. Yeah, <laughs> there, there you go. That's Only the callback. older followers will know the hey. the, uh, the old Nakaya's font on Twitter. Oh, it was just you used it, to get cool so much crap on, for that. Yeah. I used to have uh I became an iPhone user in 2020, I want to say. But until then I had Android, and I would always use the cool jazz font, which is basically like slight bold, but like it's an italic font. That's really all it was. And people were so up in arms whenever I would share a <laughs> screenshot of literally anything. Like, what this is the worst thing? I'm just like, bro, y'all have used italics <laughs> before. What what are we what are we doing? It isn't a big deal. But even then, like we've been able to have fun with stuff like that. Like I don't take that personally. And For so sure. it's it's just the blend of being myself, letting myself out there. It's especially important now as my following has grown. Like I was going through a really, really, really rough stretch in my personal life last year. And you know some of that. Yeah. And I would tweet like, hey, I'm not okay today. Like, I'm going through it. I'm feeling really low today. And like, I've had people reach out like one just to say, hey, I hope you're okay. You know, enjoy you. Hope things get better, et cetera. But I've also had people reach out like, hey, I appreciate that you have this platform and you're not afraid to say you're having a bad mental health day and stuff like that. So I even like even that is something that I went into it doing like i'm not saying i'm going to tweet how bad i feel just so i can make someone feel comfortable but like the fact that that's a i guess a bonus of me just being myself and letting myself out there like i i appreciate that as well yeah i think so too i think uh it, it definitely lets your followers know you know they know even more just because you you do share all that the only reason i asked that question is because i remember last year at the you know sports business classroom you talked about trying to figure out what to share and what not to share and stuff but mm-hmm. yeah no i definitely think uh there's a reason, you know, you basically build a community where, and I I think like, if you are an Akaius Duncan fan, you can follow all your work, read your articles. You can watch games with you now, you know, where you're, you know, breaking down the game in real time with you and Steve Jones, who, you know, is fantastic. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, you can 
see your thoughts on TV shows. Like it really feels like your, your followers are like, Hey, Nikai's is my friend. Like, I know how you feel about pretty much everything. We interact almost daily. Like it's really cool kind of community that you've built. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's really special. The NBA draft is rapidly approaching and you've got the chance to experience it like never before with NBA experiences. Get access to premium in arena hospitality at the Barclays Center, a draft stage photo op, meet and greets with NBA legend Dominique Wilkins and five-time champion Ron Harper, and much more with the NBA Experiences ticket package. Head over to nbaexperiences.com slash bballnews to lock in an incredible draft experience. That's nbaexperiences.com slash bballnews. We talk a lot on like Slack or like our different basketball news calls about like today's media landscape. And I think, uh, you know, I know you have some strong feelings about kind of <laughs> the direction of things. And, oh, uh, you know, like you said, legacy talk and hot takes and uh, the narrative driven conversations. Like, what are your thoughts on kind of where things stand right now and your hopes for kind of where they go in the future? Um, I think I'm. I would say I'm a little worried overall, to be completely honest. Like one of my continues frustration, it's let me take a step back. I will say in my younger days, I will just use myself as an example. Growing up in the sports media landscape, growing up with basketball and stuff like that, I used to love Stephen A. Smith. Every every morning at 10 a.m. Eastern, I am turning on first take for him and Skip Bayless to go at it, him and Max Kellerman to go at it. And as I watched more basketball and learned more basketball and started listening to more people that talk about basketball in kind of the way that I talk about it now, I started turning on face first take and it's like, yo, wait, what is this? This isn't close to what I watched last night. Yeah. This isn't what this is about. Like this team did something different to the star. The star didn't choke. He just saw a different look on defense. Like this is, I don't like this. And so it went from, I used to love first take. I used to love inside the NBA and then I would watch like the halftime show and it's like, wait, y'all didn't really talk about anything. Like this is fun, but y'all didn't really talk about anything. And like Kenny would do his big board. It's like, okay, like this is cool. But like, man, I saw someone tweet about this like 45 minutes ago in more depth. Like, wait, what's happening here? And so you get enough of that. And it's just like, yo, this isn't, this isn't what I thought it was. Like, this is actually a little bit lacking. And so it's kind of frustrating to see like, people with large platforms not do what they can to inform that doesn't mean every halftime show on tnt or espn needs to be a breakdown of hey this team ran horns flex and then they did this and that. like no it doesn't have to be that grand all the time like i would love that but i recognize that's not gonna make money however my frustration has just kind of been when you do have to talk about basketball like as former players or just again like even in the case of stephen a smith or someone like that like you have espn's platform yeah. Like millions of people listen to you and take your talking points and then take it to the barbershop, take it to a party, take it to whatever, whatever. And again, this is sports take. This isn't something that can like legit affect lives for the negative. But like in terms of the discourse, you have a big part to play in that. So I think you can be your character while also being accurate. Right. Or being yeah. a little bit more thorough what you're saying. So I wish there was just a bigger, I guess, a better balance in general of what we see. And that's why I found it refreshing to see someone like J.J. Reddick come in. Yes. And even now, like, I love what Draymond Green does, which you would think, in theory, like, Draymond's kind of the mix of what you want. He can talk trash with you if you want. He can crack some jokes if you want. But you tell him, hey, what did this team do in the third quarter? He will break it down quickly, succinctly, and in a way that anyone can understand it. 
And I think that's kind of the blend that I want to see overall everywhere. Like I want to y'all to be able to have your jokes and have fun, draw in the casual viewer, but also when you talk basketball, help inform the casual viewer. Because ultimately, if you bring those guys up, bring everyone up, the conversation is just going to get better and smarter. We won't have yeah. some of the barbershop talk because a lot more barbershops will recognize, hey, this isn't what this actually is. Like, we don't have to dig into this. Like, This isn't the story, for lack of a better way to phrase it. Yeah, I, I think the thing that bothers me the most is the negativity. Like you see it yeah. with a lot of the former players and um, I'm surprised like the NBA is okay with that because I've said this before on Twitter, on our different calls, on this podcast even, that you know you never watch like NFL either pregame or postgame shows or even like during the broadcast and they're just, you know, bashing the current stars and talking about how they'd never be able to play in past eras. They're not very good and they're overpaid. And it's just like you hear that stuff <laughs> all the time in NBA coverage and NBA broadcasts. And uh, that bothers me. And then, yeah, just the hot takes and how everything is always about legacy and narrative. I saw someone I don't even watch really the pregame or postgame shows anymore, but I saw someone mm -hmm. saying like before game seven of the Eastern Conference Finals, like during the pregame show, they were just talking about Kevin Durant versus Steph Curry. Yeah. And like who's better all time. How does that, I mean, it makes no sense before a literal game seven of the Eastern <laughs> Conference Finals when neither of those players are involved. Like it just, it's crazy to me. And I know like for casual fans, that's kind of who they're going for. They're trying to get casual fans interested and in things like that. But I mean, I think one thing that I learned just kind of being at Hoopsype and now at Basketball News, there is absolutely uh, an appetite for more in-depth coverage. And, you know, on the X's and O's side, when you're talking about like the CBA, like fans today are smarter than ever because you have so many resources at your fingertips to be able to learn about, you know, the game, about uh, the salary cap and the CBA and different transactions and trade rules and all that kind of stuff or the draft. Like how many fans now, you know, actually go through and do their own like pre-draft evaluations like yeah. fans are so smart these days so you don't need to just talk about casual stuff and narratives and hot takes and all that you know like some of my best performing articles ever at Hoopsype, and a site that is mainly about rumors and transactions were the behind the scenes pieces where we dove deep into the cba or talked to agents about you know various things behind the scenes and all that kind of stuff like or mm -hmm. my i did an article about like, the life of assistant coaches and they all kind of shared like you know how grueling it was and uh walking through like a day in their life you know some of those articles people just want to learn more and go more in depth and then at basketball news we've seen that people want the breakdowns and they want you know uh in-depth analysis and smart content so yeah I, I think uh i know on one hand they're just thinking oh well this is what fans want but i think maybe uh they're underestimating fans a bit or, or you know fans can definitely and look, I'm not saying that you should never talk free agency or comparing players or things like that. There's a way to do it. And I think, you know, that's one of the things I wanted to ask you about, too. Your like potential trade destination pieces for different players, I think, are a fantastic kind of blend of what we're talking about, where you still break down transactional type things and say, hey, here's some teams that could make sense for this player and kind of talk about the fit. But you explain why and break down the player's game. And, you know, what would make them a good fit with that particular team? I think mm -hmm. there's like ways to talk about these kind of things and do it in a smart way. But it just feels like too often it's just all narrative, hot take and stuff that they don't even believe. You know, they're just spewing this stuff because they want to get a reaction and they want it to blow up on Twitter. Yeah. And like that's honestly probably the worst part of it. Like it's bad enough to have the platform and to kind of spew some of the stuff that gets spewed. But for you to do it basically because you're getting the check, like I get it in a sense. Because this, again, this business is pretty volatile. Like, you have an opportunity to get your bag and you're not being problematic, then yeah, absolutely get your bag. But I do feel like there's just a sense of responsibility that comes with having a platform that you should use it well. 
And so, like, you hit on the negativity of it. And, like, that's super annoying to me as well. Like, I go back to the first round series this year. The Boston Celtics swept the Brooklyn Nets. And I feel like 60% of the conversation was about KD didn't show up. Yeah. Or KD isn't this number one alpha. He hasn't done it without Steph. Another 30 to 35% was between Kyrie Irving and Ben Simmons and the hoopla around that and how terrible the mental health conversation around Ben Simmons has been throughout this entire season. And then the other 5% was like, oh, yeah, Boston's good. And, like, it just shouldn't be that way. And I immediately railed against it on Twitter and also talked about it on the podcast after that series ended, where it's just like, yo, do you know, you, you can cite Kevin Durant's numbers. He did not perform to his level. Do you know how good your defense has to be to make Kevin Durant look the way that he looked in that first round series? Uh-huh. Like the whole conversation should be, wow, Boston did this instead of Katie just doesn't have it. Katie's a choker. Katie can't win without Steph. Yada, yada, yada. And it's just like, it just perpetuates this cycle of nonsense with basketball discourse. And again, like this goes, you're doing that more so to draw in the casual viewer. Like, even if you're going to set up the question, like, Hey, did Kevin Durant show, you should at least have someone on your staff to be like, no, he didn't. We should credit Boston. Here's why X, Y, Z. Instead of it just becoming the whole discussion point and nobody learns anything. And this is where, again, it goes to the casual viewer. They talk about that in real life. That comes to Twitter. Those Twitter topics blow up and then show execs say, Hey, this is the Twitter. This is the NBA Twitter post today. I think we can talk about this and get good ratings. And then on my timeline, since it's curated in a way, I will see like those show clips retweeted on my timeline and it's people dunking on it and rightfully so. But also it's like, yeah, you're quote tweeting it and bringing it to more eyes. So like yeah, they're just exactly what they wanted. Yeah. Yep. So like it's working. And I'm just like, we have to stop the cycle if we want to get better. The people with the platforms have to talk about the game more intelligently. And again, these are like former players. Like as much as Stephen A gets railed on, and I've levied my level of criticism, Stephen A was a journalist for years before getting the ESPN yeah. platform. Like he has worked. He, he played had connections. He had connections with tons of players. You know, he had a show that on ESPN and would have, you know, a ton of different like great interviews with Allen Iverson and different people on there. Like, yeah, he wasn't doing this. This is the stick that he landed on actually after being fired at ESPN and coming back. I don't know if yeah. you remember that, but he actually was let go. He went to CNN briefly and then came back and they kind of found this character that kind of worked. And yeah, like anyone that's met Stephen A or Skip Bayless or um, any of these people in real life, they're not like this. Like, you know, that's not how they act. It's just a character they're playing. Yeah. Like they legitimately put in work like Steve, like Skip Bayless is another one who's was huge covering Dallas Cowboys during their heyday, like like during their peak and stuff. Like they've legitimately put in work. So it's disheartening for them to legitimately know better and build a platform because they know better and then use it to, do whatever brings them the most views. I yeah. get it, but just looking at the discourse overall and what it means for everyone growing up, that's where I dislike it. That's where I rail against it as much as I have, as much as I did, as much as I do and probably still will until I see it change. Like, I'm glad that I am doing at least a small part in trying to shape it. Like, this is what Steve and I talk about at the Dunk Spot all the time. Like, we don't get into narrative stuff. We don't get into transactions until very often. Yeah. Like, we joke about it, like, uh, trying to do pre-show planning where a rumor pop up like hey do we want to talk about this and steve's like uh no not really like i don't have much <laughs> to add until something happens etc and that's where we'll start off our some of our episodes with like a new segment before digging into what we really want to talk about and it's you know ben simmons conversation but 
it's five minutes and four and a half of those minutes are like, hey, this is ridiculous. This is the real heart of what this is. Like we should give Ben Simmons more grace, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, instead of the nonsense. And then just the podcast in general, we want to dig deep into what's happening on the basketball court. And that sounds very rudimentary, very simple, but like there, there's a wealth for it. Like there's a, there's a want for it. And this is why the pod has grown as quickly as it has. And we've been able to have, like recently we had JJ Reddick on the pod and he's spoken about like, he he enjoys what we do. Like I yep. got to meet Doris Burke um, during game before game five of the Eastern Conference Finals because I was in Miami for that one, and met her. One just a blessing that I didn't faint on the spot. First and foremost, she's the best. <laughs> she's the best. But like she, so first thing she said, like I introduced myself. She shook my hand. She was like, I really appreciate what you and Steve do. I really appreciate the work that you guys put in. Like I'm taking notes and I'm learning from you guys. And it's just like, yo, if we can build a product that Doris Burke can learn from, and thus people who listen to Doris Burke, if you listen to Doris Burke on the radio, on the broadcast, you are learning something Yep. if you pretend to listen. And so <laughs> the fact that we can even come close to helping facilitate that is huge. And again, like the, there's a market for just basketball talk. Like there are a lot of people like me who may not rant about inside the NBA or ESPN or whatever every three days like I used to, <laughs> but they, in general, they're like, man, I wish I could, I want to learn. I just don't know where to go from it. And so I'm glad that we have a platform and we're using it in a way to talk about what's actually happening with basketball on the NBA and the WNBA side. And so we, if we just get more of that and we still are able to have fun with it, that's the blend. That's what you want. You want people to be entertained. You don't want this to be boring basketball talk. But if I can learn and laugh at the same time, absolutely, I'm turning on my TV to watch that or I'm turning on a podcast and listen to that. Yeah. And to your point about, you know, people wanting this kind of content, look at the success of the Dunker Spot. I know you guys recently were like the number six podcast in the basketball space. You're, you know, almost top 20 in, in all of sports. Like this is a podcast that is what a year and a half old that yeah. is competing with some podcasts that have been around for many years. Like it's, it's incredible what you guys have built in a year and a half. I think not only is, are the breakdowns great and you can learn so much, but also the chemistry you have with Steve is just fantastic. Like I love the, the uh, dynamic that you guys have. So yeah, I mean, fans definitely want that. Um, and it's been so much fun to watch that podcast grow and, and kind of become what it has. Um, one last question for you. I'm curious. You've obviously, you know, had an awesome couple of years here. And, you know, we've seen your Twitter account has blown up. You know, your following has grown. You're, you know, doing everything that you kind of set out to do in this industry. What are some of your goals going forward? Like, where do you want to be five, 10 years from now? What are some of your longer term goals? Man, I'm still trying to sort it out. Like that was actually one of the questions that Doris asked me when I met her. It's like, hey, where, where are you trying to build from this? Is it just continue to grow on the media side? Do you eventually want to work with the team and stuff like that? And I'm just like, I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to build it out right now. And it's like, that's not a super clean cut answer, but like, I'm really just trying to see where I can go, what opportunities pop up for me. Um, I've been blessed to be reached out to about a team opportunity. And like, I, like, I don't know if I'm ready for that kind of leap yet. But just in general, I want to learn more about basketball. I want to have more fun talking about basketball. And I do recognize right now with like the Twitter following and some of the opportunities that I've had, like I'm glad that I'm I'm in the public space, but I'm really in the public space because I'm not paywalled or anything right now. And yeah. so I'm glad that I'm able to get my written content out there, my podcast out there. And just with how I use my Twitter in general, like I can just talk to people. Like people could DM me or ask me questions on the timeline. I'll quote tweet and answer like, you have 3,000 followers or six followers, you have a basketball question that I see it, then I don't mind talking to you. And like, it's just an easier way to kind of foster 
that overall growth and that overall, I guess, enhancement of basketball discourse overall. For sure. I love it. Um, last thing for you, actually, one more thing, just so I can say we did talk some basketball in this episode. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm just so I, I definitely wanted to go deep on your career stuff because I love your career path and kind of the work you put in and just kind of how far you've come. But um, after last night, obviously, the Celtics are up 1-0. Who do you have winning the finals? We talked about it a little bit like on our Twitter spaces and stuff. You know, my pick coming into the playoffs was Warriors over Celtics and seven. So mm-hmm. I'm sticking with that. I'm hoping it comes true just because I think that'd be awesome. I can't mm-hmm. believe it's actually, you know, there's even this matchup. Um, but what are your thoughts after seeing game one and, and who do you have winning the series? Um, heading into the series, I had Boston in six. And the big thing there was I just really believe in their defensive personnel and I believe in their ability to switch and do so with physicality to lock down or at least um, slow down some of the off ball goodness that Golden State's able to generate. And we saw a lot of that in the fourth quarter where they outscored Golden State 40 to 16. Like, I don't know how sustainable the three point shooting is for Boston, specifically from um, Derek White and Marcus Smart. And Al Horford also bombed away. I think what six threes for Al Horford in that game one, which was an NBA finals debut record, <laughs> which is insane to me. Crazy. Um, but just in terms of what Boston can do defensively, like they can bring teams in the mud. They've done so all postseason long. And so that's kind of where my central belief came in with Boston. Then you factor in some of the turnover issues that Golden State has had throughout this entire season. The offense has always been good, and it's really been good since everyone's gotten healthy and we got the Jordan Poole leap. But turnovers have always been an issue. And for Boston, they make things tough enough for you in the half court. If you also turn the ball over against them, that juices their transition attack. And I just believe that they can bother Golden State more than Golden State can bother Boston. And game one hasn't knocked me off of that at all. They, you know, zoom out. They've done what they're supposed to. They stole home court already. Now Golden State has pressure on them in game two before heading to Boston. So I'm feeling pretty good about the peak right now. But I think it's going to be a great series. Are we going to see, after seeing Derek White and uh, Fred Van Vliet a few years ago, are we going to see NBA players start trying to conceive their child at, like, <laughs> the perfect time so that they can have a baby during the playoffs or during the finals? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it, that might be the move. We, we see a lot more uh, summer slash early fall announcements coming soon in 2023 <laughs> or whatever. Then we know what's happening. I'm like, all right, yeah, they're gearing up for the postseason. You know, if this guy misses a game or two in, like, early April or something, we know what's coming. He's about yep. to have a playoff series of life. So may- maybe we see an uptick in that. It's the new PEDs. I love it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, man, thank you so much for doing this. I appreciate it. Everyone, make sure you guys check out Nikai's fantastic work. Uh, again, check out The Dunker Spot. It's one of the best podcasts out right now. His articles are fantastic. You can find him at basketballnews.com and follow him on Twitter at NBA. Uh, if you like the boys, has a great breakdown. I'm actually about to go watch it right now. I haven't oh, seen any of these it. episodes. Uh, I'm so it. excited. Uh, so, yeah, definitely go follow Nikias right now if you aren't already, but I'm sure you are. Uh, let's be honest. Uh, Nikias, thank you for doing this, buddy. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, man. Take care. And if you guys want to hear more episodes of this podcast, check us out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere you listen to podcasts. Until next time, thanks for listening.